It's going to be a fantastic fall. You ready for the fall? Really excited. Make sure you sign up to be part of the course, sign up to serve into the courses. And we're going to grow together. We're going to take 10 focused weeks to grow together intergenerationally. That is the picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like, is when we learn from each other and we grow together. So really looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, today is our youth takeover service. So we're, we're going to have a little bit of a shift in how the rhythm of the, this morning feels. We're going to move through three different movements, three different uh, perspectives, and three different responses today as we're continuing along in our Hidden Treasures series. If you're just joining us today, we've been going through the smaller books in the Bible, books that we don't often read or study. Some people have said, you know, I've actually never read some of these books or I've read them, never really understood them. We've got two weeks left and today uh, we're focusing on the book of Malachi. And if you were reading in our daily devotional reading, which is available for you on our app, you've noticed that we've been journeying through Malachi. And Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, and he indeed is the last writer in the Old Testament. The Bible is not always, uh, the Bible is not chronological, and so some books that come earlier aren't necessarily written earlier, but Malachi is indeed the last writer, and he was writing to a group of people who asked the question, God, do you still love us? God, do you know what we're facing today? God, have you forgotten about us? Have you ever had that thought, God, do you know what I'm facing today? Just be, be real. Have you ever had that thought, God, do, I don't, I'm not sure you know what I'm facing today, Lord. It, it doesn't feel like you know what's in front of me. And Malachi, in the, the, if, you, if you were reading along this week, if not, I encourage you to go back and read this book, four chapters, fantastic stuff to learn from. But in chapter one, verse two, so we're right at the beginning of the book, Here's what he writes. I have always loved you, says the Lord, but you retort, really? How have you loved us? This was the sentiment of the culture and the people of the day. God, do you love us? And the people were about to go through 400 years where there would be no prophecy. There, There had never been a generation like this. And Malachi's words were gonna be an iconic message that they would look back to and say, this was the last thing that the Lord said to us. So we have a lot to learn from this because there, there was warnings about righteous living and there were declarations about a coming Messiah and there was thoughts about consequence to our action and restoration and hope and righteousness and all of these things. And their perspective was that if our life is hard though, then God isn't involved and God doesn't love us. Now that is a tough way to live, that if life is hard, God doesn't know what I'm going through or God doesn't love us. And they missed the larger perspective that God had for what they were experiencing. And that is the theme for today's message is that perspective matters. And as we move through our three flows, our three movements and our three responses today, we're going to have three different perspectives, things that we should be considering. And I have been guilty as well of this perspective that Lord, when, when things aren't working out the way that I thought they would, then you must be disappointed with me or something must be going wrong, or there's something that I should change. And, it, and, and it's critical that we always maintain a well-rounded, God-centered perspective on things, that when things get challenging, as it was for God's people of the day when Malachi wrote, it's important that we fix our sights in, on three different areas, on three different things when we're going through difficult times. So our key text is gonna be in Malachi 4, Verses four through six, they are the last 
three verses of the book of Malachi. So you may want to open up your Bibles and have that open. I'm going to read them for us together here out of the New Living Translation. And these are the last three verses of the Old Testament, the last things that the people of God considered before the days of Jesus. Here's what it says, starting at verse four. He said, remember, obey the law of Moses, my servant, and all of the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai. So we're talking about the 10 commandments and then the law. And he gave them for all of Israel. He said, look, I'm sending you a prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike a land with a curse. Let's pray and we'll move into the points. Heavenly Father, as we reflect on this scripture today and we reflect um, on the three places where we can be looking when difficult days come, I ask that you open up our hearts so that we would hear from your spirit and hear your voice today. Let my words be used to um, speak truth to people and let your scripture be truth and life to us today. Pray it in your name, Jesus, amen. So three places, when difficult times come, if you're looking for the notes in the scriptures, they're in the Portico app, you click on sermon notes and all of the notes and all the scriptures are there. Number one, when life gets hard, remember, look back. We are prisoners of the moment in our society. Social media is a culprit of this, And it is also a product of it. It's not the only reason. It is part of how we live our lives. Consider the feeling that you have when you post a picture of yourself either doing something fun or with people that you love or a memory that you have. What's the feeling that comes when you post a picture? It's like this, ah, life is good, (laughs) right? Like you like that. It, 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 it gives us a good feeling. It's, and in fact, researchers will tell us it's actually a hit of dopamine, which is why we get addicted to it because we post it and our brain likes it. <laughs> so we post another one and our brain likes it. So then what happens when you have nothing to post? You go, I'm not as happy. <laughs> so so we, it's, a, it's a product of how we live, but it's also a culprit of how we've brought our society together. And then when we start measuring our lives against other people's lives, they're like, well, this person had something to post, and this person had something to post, and this person had something to post, but I had nothing to post. We go, why don't I have anything to post? What have I done wrong? Does God know the sorrow that I'm going through because I have nothing to post? <laughs> but it's our perspective. It's it's a joke, but it is also our perspective. We go, if I don't have a good feeling, something's wrong with my life. You know, when we go through difficult seasons, it's important to remember a couple things. The first is, is is that not every season of your life is meant to be a mountaintop. Do you know this? That that God set the rhythms of life in seasons, in cycles. So let's use Canadian seasons. We've got We've got spring and summer and fall and winter and every season of your life has purpose. God has meaning for it. And if you're always measuring your life against somebody else, what if God has a purpose for a winter season in your life where there's death and there's dormancy and God has purpose for that? And if you measure your winter against somebody else's summer where everything's fully growing and wonderful, you're gonna go, God, you've forgotten about me. (laughs) But no, God has purpose for the death. God has purpose for the life. God has purpose for when things are budding and when we're planting. And there are seasons for harvesting like the fall. And we can't measure our lives against other people. We can only measure against what God is doing in our life at the moment. 
So it's important that we have that perspective. The other perspective we really need to have is that you will never harvest if you don't plant. You'll never have fall unless you do the work in the spring. Unless you've gone through the death of the winter, planted in the spring, let it grow, you'll never, you'll never harvest. And this is what Malachi was teaching the people here. Malachi wanted the people of God to be reminded you have to look back at what you missed. You're asking, why aren't we harvesting? And he said, look back. And if you read through the first few chapters, he goes into explanation in chapter one. There's a difference between how Jacob and Esau lived their life, and that's why their futures were different. And then in the chapter two, he speaks to the Levites and he speaks to those leading the church. And he says, you've been honoring yourself rather than honoring God. And he speaks to marriages and he says, you've been dishonoring each other in the way that you live and there's brokenness in your marriages and that's why you're not harvesting fruitfulness there. And then he speaks to all the people in chapter three and he says, you're you're wondering where God's blessing is but you haven't been honoring the tithe and you've been honoring your, your kingdom and your finances and you haven't been honoring my kingdom and my finances. And he says, you have to look back and measure your lives. Let's put verse four up on the screen. Because he says, if, if, if you want to know why God's blessing is left, he says, remember to obey all the laws of Moses. All of the decrees, all of the regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai, you're questioning, God, you don't love us. Where's your faithfulness? And here's, here's the thing. I, I don't like owning my circumstance. Does anyone like owning every, every circumstance in their life? I like to find a reason, well, this went wrong and this went wrong and this went wrong, but Rick didn't do wrong. But this summer's study of the Old Testament prophets should remind us that that sin is very serious business when it comes to our relationships with God. And God calls us to regularly examine our lives. And if we look back at our lives, and if we see God's expectations in the covenant and the Ten Commandments, and then we see that my life actually is over here, who should I be questioning whether they're faithful or not? should be questioning, is God faithful or not? God said, obey my commandments, live this way. And then I say, you know what? That's a good idea, but I'm going to do it this way. And then I go, Lord, I'm not harvesting anything. God, I'm in a season that feels like, like you've abandoned us. And Malachi speaks to the people and he says, look at the law that's been given to you and honor that. The people said it in verse, uh, chapter two, verse 17. Let's put that up on the screen. Malachi says, you've wearied him with your words. And they go, well, how have we wearied the Lord? You've wearied him by saying that all who do evil are good in the Lord's sight. And he's pleased with them. You've wearied him by asking, where is the God of justice? This is what the people were doing. They were like, we can live any way that we want and then we can question God. That's not the way God works. Now, God has unending mercy and grace and love for each one of us. We need to know this. But do you know how he has that for us. Do you know when he has that for us? It's when we walk through the process of reflection and repentance and turning back to our father. He doesn't just say, oh, I love you and you do whatever you want. He, he said, that's where, that wearies him. What he loves is when his people return to him and offer worship to him and offer repentance to him. And the truth is, is that if I examine my life, my life falls short of his grace. Uh, my life falls short of his expectations, but it will never fall short of his grace. When I return and say, Lord, I'm sinful, yet you love me, yet you made a way for me. 
You know, whenever we look back, when we go through this process of, of looking back at, at the word of the Lord and the decrees of the Lord, you know what else I see when I look back? I see symbols of God's goodness and God's promises to me. God is, God is, is so grace, gracious this way. It's been raining all week long and rain and sun and rain and sun. Has anyone seen, seen the rainbows this week? You seen the rainbows? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And you know what we do when we look up and we see the rainbow? You know what that is? That is a symbol of God's grace to us. That he said, you know what? Even though there's wickedness and evil in the world that breaks my heart, that wanted to make me destroy the world, that rainbow says, I promise grace to you. I will never do that. I, I almost did that and I will never do that. And God's so faithful and he says, when you see that rainbow, remember that I love you and I have grace for you. The symbol of the Passover meal, which is what we're gonna participate in a moment in communion. It was the symbol that the people who were following or wanting to honor God, they had to paint blood on their doorposts and, they, and then they would celebrate this year over year over year and continue to the, the symbol of the bread and the juice. What is it? It's God's grace to us. It's God's protection to us. That we acknowledge that we fall short and acknowledge that he is grace for us. And then of course there's the symbol that should be the great symbol that we should always remember the cross. It was meant to be a symbol of punishment and shame and it turned into a symbol of victory where Jesus won the battle over death. And so in our first movement here today, our first reflection, we're gonna spawn with communion, which is the symbol that embodies all of this. And I wanna offer all of us a space for two things. Number one, can we look back at our lives? And anyone is welcome to participate in communion here at the church as long as you go through this process. You don't have to be a member, but you have to go through this process that we would examine ourselves and see where are the parts of, of me that don't line up with the teachings of the scripture and an acknowledgement that I'm not there. And then an acknowledgement that Jesus' death and his resurrection is what gives me the ability to step into that grace. Could we pray and go through this reflection and then I will lead us in a moment of, uh, uh, then I'll lead us through communion time together. Heavenly Father, search my heart, search my mind, search my life. I recognize that there are, there are pieces of me that are the same as the pieces of the people of Israel, of Judah in that day, who call evil good, who weary you by looking to say, where's the justice? God, your justice is 100% truth and 100% grace. And so Lord, you call righteousness, you call us to righteousness, and you call us to receive your righteousness. So Father, forgive my shortcoming, forgive my sin that separates me from you. And Lord, help me walk yet at the same time in 100% victory and grace and mercy because you paid the price for my sin. God, thank you for this process of repentance and turning and this act of worship that we get to participate in together. We pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. So how many in here 
are either a grandma or knows a grandma or has a grandma, any of us? Nice, okay, we all know somebody who's a grandma. So as I was preparing this week uh, for my piece of the service, I was thinking a little bit about um, some stories in my life. And one that came to mind was a story about me and my Nana. And just a little quick bit of uh, back context on my Nana. She was a strong believer of Jesus. She is in heaven right now with our God. But she was a woman who could pray the devil away. Like she, she was a prayer warrior. So this, this, I find this story just hilarious, but uh, this is a story about my grandmother. So I, in high school, used to listen to this band called Switchfoot. Yeah, I heard a who in the back. Okay, I'm not the only one. That's good. So I used to listen to the band called Switchfoot, and I would have my CD and my Walkman. That's right, Walkman. And I would put my headphones on, and I would listen to it all the time. And there was this one time that I'm like, Nana, you have to listen to this band. You will love them. (laughs) So yeah, so she loved the Gaither vocal band, and I loved... Yeah, they're awesome. They're like harmonies are on point all the time. But uh, so I put the I put the headphones on her and and I forgot to check the volume, but then I I turned and I pressed play and immediately the first song was like blaring into her poor ears. And and all I could see at first was <gasps> and then eventually it was <sighs> what is this? And then, because she couldn't hear what she was saying, she just started yelling at me, and she was like, what, this is just noise, you can't even, what are they even saying, I can't even, I don't even know. And she was like, it's just noise, it's not music. And I'm like, I'm like, Nana, I'm like, that's an electric guitar. I'm like, Nana, these are my jams, this is what I listen to. This is how I connect with God, and I was offended that my little 70-year-old Nana had no idea who Switchfoot was and didn't like my music. Well then, fast forward a couple weeks later, we were visiting her again, and she comes up to me and she has this little plastic disc case, and she hands it to me and she's like, I went to my senior pastor this week and I asked him to burn like a CD of all the music that the kids are listening to nowadays because I just wanted you to know that that it's okay that you listen to this music and that I want to pour into you in the way that you feel that you need to be poured into. If this is what you like, then here you go. Let me support you. And so that divide that was made versus certain types of music and other types of music came together and that divide was closed. And that's really what our second point of today is called. So point number two is just to remember to look forward. Remember to look forward. As we have seen, the members of the post-exilic generation in Malachi were the heirs of God's ancient covenant with Israel. And they knew they must take their responsibility seriously. They knew that. And then there was this other generation, (laughs) the younger generation, who they would say negative things about God. They would even start to like, I don't think, I don't think God is in this. He's not here. You have been like abandoning us. 
There wasn't harmony. How do you move forward with that? You can't. And in Malachi 4, 5 to 6, it says this. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day that the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Now, I looked at a different translation of this earlier this week. And instead of the dreadful day that it was talking about up in here, it talked about a wonderful day and a glorious day. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) these are two very different pictures painted. But the reason for that is it's because it's a dual prophecy. It's a dual prophecy in the sense that those who love Jesus, it will be a wonderful day. It will be a wonderful day. But for those who don't know Jesus and who don't love Jesus, it will be a dreadful day. It will be a day of destruction. And honestly, we don't, we don't or shouldn't want to leave anyone behind. And that's so important as to why we come together as a community of believers. It's not their church versus our church. And that happens all the time in youth. It's like, well, these are our songs. This is our space. This is our time. And that is their time over there in the big service. But it's not, it's not their church versus our church. Because this, this is what heaven's going to look like. This is what it's going to be like when we, when we step foot past those pearly gates. It's going to be all nations and it's going to be all ages. We need to take a look ahead of at what is to come. If we aren't looking forward in unity, if the different generations aren't moving together, what's left? You see, the whole book of Malachi is predicting Jesus' coming. He tells them to keep the covenant of the law. He reminds them to take their covenant relationship with Jesus seriously and that the great new day will dawn for them with the coming of Elijah to prepare for the Lord. He wants to bring us, bring all of the generations back together in harmony so they can move forward. In order to do this, we need to make sure we're walking alongside of each other alongside of the next generation, alongside of the previous generation. And that means meeting each other with, with where we're at. Understanding each other's culture, because every generation is different. Now, younger generation in the room, let me speak as your youth pastor. You're all over there, so I'm going to turn and look at y'all so you can, like, we're locking eyes now. We have to understand and respect that what a different generation is saying or has said is not obsolete. They have life experience. They have studied scripture longer than we have. I mean, why do I keep telling you to talk to your mentors? Why do I keep telling you to, hey, guys, go to your leader. Go to your small group leader. All my small group leaders are like, yes. (laughs) Go to your leaders. It's because they've been there. They've done that. They have some perspective. They can speak wisdom into your life. 
People come up to me and, well, not come up to me, but they do. But so when me and my husband, Shane, holla at me, Shane, uh, when we got married, people would always say, find another couple that is older and wiser so then you can learn and grow from them so that we can walk alongside them. We can walk along seasoned people and move forward to the future, look forward to a happy marriage. And that's really what Malachi is saying here. We need to look at our future. As we move forward, we embrace the covenant of God and what he made so that we don't try to rewrite faith. We each express it differently, but we need to remember that what was originally said to us. And we have to remember we can't write Christianity. We need to journey together with the truth as we turn our hearts to one another and move forward. Intergenerational unity. Christ came to bring us together, to unify us, not separate us. That was not his intention. You're a part of a bigger story. We're all a part of something bigger than ourselves. We only see this small little sliver, this small little window of time, but there's something bigger than ourselves going on. Because God is going to bring something bigger and better. And it doesn't just end with you and me. Isaiah 43, 18 to 19 says, But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in dry wasteland. When I was in youth... We were always told, you guys are going to be the movers and the shakers. You're going to move mountains and all the things. And while that was correct, we millennials got it in our head that we were the final generation. We thought, that's it, we're awesome, the rest of you is whatever. And that you need to kind of go off of us. We forgot that there are generations coming after us. And youth, there's something you have to remember too. There is a generation coming after you. And you have to be in unity with them even when you don't like their music either. (laughs) Or the way that they dress or how they say things. We have to be moving forward as well. We have to be the mentors and the leaders for the next generation. Now, this is not a message about one generation over another generation. I don't want to get any emails. Because I believe the generation, the generations coming together would be so beautiful. Like, this whole worship service, it was beautiful worshiping together as multi-generational people. I was watching some of our older generation worshiping as these young kids Still in high school, we're up here worshiping, worshiping together. It was so beautiful. It's, it's how God intends heaven to be. And it's not just the re- restoration of earth, but a restoration between people and the start of healing. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18 
says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like the people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised again to life, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. First the believers who had died will rise from their graves. Then together with them we are, who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. We who love Jesus will all go to heaven together. All of us. We are going to come together someday and walk into, that, into heaven. And we want to make sure that we leave no person, no generation, no nation, no cultural difference behind. So we have to turn towards one another and look forward to what is in store for us. Now, I want to take a moment and I just want to, to pray for our youth. So right now, I want to encourage, if you have brought a youth which, with you, if you know a youth, we're going to take some time to pray with them. Youth, if you're in your groups together, if you're sitting beside each other, you can pray for each other. I want to encourage this. Leaders, you guys can go and pray with your youth because we're going to spend time praying together for our youth, for this next generation of believers. So I just want to encourage you guys to do that as uh, Zanetta plays for me, and as I pray for you guys as well. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. Thank you that we could come together and celebrate one another. Celebrate our differences. Celebrate that we all love Jesus. Heavenly Father, I just pray for the youth in this room, God. I pray for this generation of new movers and new shakers, God, who will go into their schools and not be afraid, but be bold in wanting their friends and wanting their teachers to know you more. Because we don't want to leave any man behind. God, I pray for students who are struggling, who might be struggling with mental health, who might be struggling with family issues, who might be struggling with whether or not they believe in you. God, I just pray that you bring a peace in their heart. Let them know that you are there, God. Remind them that they are not alone, God, that they have people who will pray for them and will pray over them, God that they have each other that they can lean on in these moments, that they have us that they can lean on in these moments, God. And Lord, as that we enter into fall, God, and we enter into this change, Lord, I just pray that they walk into their schools with boldness, that they pray 
bold prayers. Heavenly Father, I just, I thank you for the community and the church. And I pray that we move forward together. So let's just take some time and pray. Pray for one another. Leaders, you can pray for your students if you want to to go over and pray. And students, I want you to pray for one another. That means moving and, and praying together. Maybe you don't have another student with you, but just pray for for someone in your family, maybe from another generation, a a grandma, a grandpa, a niece, a nephew. Just spend some time making this spot, being responsive to what Malachi taught, that we would turn our hearts to each other, fathers to children and children to fathers. Just take some time and pray. And we'll keep going. For the privilege that it is to journey together multi-generationally thank help us never to lose that as a key value for us lord with hearts turned to one another god as our students get ready for school and changes and all that we ask lord give them wisdom give them strength or give them um, discernment to know how to continue to lean on the supports they have in their lives lord help us to pursue Uh, that next generation, Lord, to make sure, Lord, that they would never forget the decrees and everything that was handed to the people of God thousands of years ago that still have truth and are life-giving to us today. Um, 
Lord, help us to journey together in this way. We thank you for the great privilege that it is. We ask it in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to close today's service with one last place to look when things get difficult. We are to look back and examine our lives. We are to look forward to journey together. But I would say most importantly, we, are to, we need to remember to look up and get our eyes off of this world and what we're experiencing in this world. But we would remember to look into the things that are to come. And one of the things that I think each one of us has thought or prayed Jesus, I pray that you don't come back until such and such happens. Come on, have you, have you prayed that before you were married? Have you ever prayed, Lord, please don't come back until I'm married? You've prayed that, right? You've prayed that. And now if you've married and you don't have children, like, Lord, I just, want, I just want to have children. Lord, can you delay the great promise that you have for me until I have children? Or maybe it's the prayer of, Lord, I want to see my children be married or, or something. How many have prayed a prayer like that? You have prayed a prayer. Be honest. We're in church. Stop lying. You've prayed a prayer that you said, Lord, I don't want you to come back until this is such and such has happened. You've done that, right? You know what the reality is? We don't understand what awaits us in heaven. You know what that prayer is? That prayer says, Lord, <laughs> I really, really like what I experience on earth. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just wanting to have continuing what, what I'm experiencing on, on earth. And what God wants us to know is that there's something so much better for us in heaven. There's, <laughs> the joys that we experience on earth are shadows of the joy that is awaiting for us in heaven. And what God was saying to the people, he was say, he's saying, get your eyes off of what you're experiencing on earth and get your eyes on to me because I have something so much better. They were, they were looking at it and they were waiting for, they, they were saying, God, you're not blessing us. We don't, we don't see you in our lives. And you know what they were measuring it against? They were saying, Lord, we saw you bless David. We saw you bless Solomon. We saw you bless some of the great kings. They had palaces and wealth and that's God's blessing in my life. And no, he's saying, I'm gonna send, send you Elijah and he's gonna turn your eyes somewhere else. Can we, Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Let's put those, those verses back up on the screen. He goes, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. Now, just let's unpack this a little bit. Elijah... It's a dual prophecy. He was saying, Jesus is going to come and I'm going to send you Elijah. So who is Elijah the first time we saw him? It was the prophet Elijah and then John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, the incarnation here on earth. And the people were thinking that when the goodness of God showed up, it would be palaces and it would be wealth and it would be all that. And he was like, no, I'm sending you Elijah so that there's something so much better that's going to come. And before Elijah, John the Baptist and Jesus came, how did people connect with God? They had to bring animal sacrifices. They had to kill something for sin. They had to burn up grain offerings. They had to just literally burn their wealth away. And that was the way that they restored relationship with God. And, and Malachi wanted to know, I need you to know that when the great day of the Lord comes, 
that's gone. And you can have direct access to something so much better. You thought you had good in the temple. You have so much better than you would ever know when the great day of the Lord comes. And we've been living in that great day for 2,000 years. Now it's a dual prophecy. He says, I'm going to send Elijah again. There's another prophet coming. And the Lord is returning for us. And you know what his promise is? What you think you're experiencing right now, it's not, it's not, it's nothing. The joy that you experience right now, you know what else, the joy that comes in our lives, you know what else comes in our lives? Brokenness, sadness, sin, and death. And there is a day coming where there is no brokenness, no sadness, no joy, no, no sin, no death, just joy. And if we would get our eyes off of this world and the joy that this world brings us and say, Lord, I believe that the joy that is to come will be the fulfillment of joy that is way beyond I could ever experience here. And we get our eyes up on God, then we will understand what it means that, the hearts, uh, the, that our hearts are turned to one another and God will be returning to bring us into that place of perfection. And today we get to close the service with one last movement, one last reflection. We had repentance and we had prayer to be together. And, and then now we're going to celebrate people who have said yes to Jesus and say, I want to be baptized in, uh, and let everyone know around. Yeah, that's, an, that's, that's something hell of a heaven celebrates about. And so we're going to, we are going to sing a song that kind of sums up what we've been talking about that I, I just want to be with you, Lord. I, I don't care about anything else. I just want you. Let my only perspective be you. And then we're going to celebrate with this family as we're going through baptism saying, I've said yes and I want everybody to know there is nothing else that matters other than my life in Jesus. And our prayer is that as we respond today, as we go through this, there are all kinds of other people here who God's going to speak to you today. <laughs> and if, if during this service, the Lord starts speaking to you, I'm going to encourage you, go over to this link, portico.cc slash baptism. There's a short video that explains what baptism is. There's a link there you fill out. And then Dwayne and I have already talked about this. We can get another baptism service arranged. Trust me, we can do this. Because if people are saying yes to Jesus and wanting to be baptized, and we want to celebrate with you. And so we're going to do that today. And we believe we'll be able to do it in a few weeks' time as God is speaking to people's hearts. So can we close today in a moment of prayer and then singing uh, a response song and then we will celebrate in baptism. Let's pray. Why don't you stand as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that I don't have to put my trust and I don't have to put my hope in anything that is in this world. Lord, I can put my trust and hope fully in you. Lord, help me regularly to go through the practice of reflection, repentance, Lord, help me regularly go through the practice of turning my heart and my mind towards others, Lord, not focused on what, what's good for me, but making sure I journey together. And help me to regularly go through the practice of fixing my eyes on you and the things of your kingdom, not of my kingdom. Lord, we are so thankful that we get to be called sons and daughters, and we believe for the great day when you will come and return, and we will step into those moments of eternity all together, forever worshiping you as our heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.